Good morning and God's blessings to you. Today we celebrate the sixth Sunday of Easter, historically known as Rogate Sunday or the Sunday of Christian Prayer. A gospel uh, comes from John chapter 16, verses 23 through 33. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, historically in the church year, is called Rogate Sunday. Rogate just means pray or ask. And it comes right out of our gospel where Jesus says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, pray, and you'll receive, that your joy may be full. With those words, our Lord tenderly invites us to pray to him in every time of need. But how are your prayers? If there ever has been a year to hit the restart button when it comes to your prayer life, well then, this should have been the year, right? Because let's face it, you had every reason to ask God for help, to be free from all fear and anxiety, to be spared from sickness, maybe worse yet, to be spared from the wrath of our social engineers, the experts, and the corruption of all those who profit off of our fear. We could have prayed to be treated more fairly at work, but for the welfare of our neighbors, whose businesses were forced to shut down and close. Above all, we could have prayed for patience, remembering, after all, that we are simply living in a world that God has subjected to decay and suffering as a consequence for sin. No one to blame ultimately but ourselves. And so, like any other trial, it all aims at a higher purpose, to humble ourselves, to despair of all earthly security, and to place our trust and hope in God alone. When Jesus was once praying in a certain place, an anonymous disciple approached him. With some desperation, I think, in his voice, he asked our Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, notice here that Jesus doesn't exactly say, pray whatever you feel like. Instead, he gives a real imperative here. He says, when you pray, you say this one, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And right there, we Christians, we receive the gift of his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, an inexhaustible fountain of grace and promises. So what motivated that disciple to ask Jesus how to pray in the first place? Well, from the very question itself, I think we can surmise a bit about prayer. And it's got to be this. Prayer doesn't come easy. Never has. Not for that anonymous disciple and not for us. I dare say that no one in this church would boast that his prayers are what they ought to be. So what's the deal? Why is it that we have such a hard time praying as well as we know we should? Well, for an answer to that one, we've got to go way back to our very first parents. Because when they heard God's voice in the garden, they didn't exactly come running and pour out their hearts either. In fact, they turned tail and ran. And all these years later, our situation isn't wildly different. We too have a tendency to turn tail and hide too. And so much of our prayer life and silence in the presence of God it testifies to that dangerous virus of sin that first broke out in the garden and spread all the way down to you and to I. And so some of our hesitancy to pray and come before him, it's for a good reason. 
After all, how can a sin-sick sinner dare come into the presence of a holy God and live to tell about it? Well, this morning we can learn a thing or two from Moses about that. He had led God's people out of slavery. God had parted the Red Sea, provided for their every need. But now those Israelites, they are dancing around a golden calf, worshiping an idol, just like those Egyptians had done, from whom they had escaped from. How infuriating to God that must have been. His anger burned hot against them, and he resolved to destroy them all and start over. So between an angry God and those idolatrous Israelites stepped Moses, a real man of prayer, and he prayed a beauty. Lord, forgive them their sins. Blot me out of your book, but not them, he prayed. Well, that was a beautiful prayer, and God listened. In our reading this morning, those stubborn Israelites, they're at it again, doing what they do best, and maybe you can relate. They're becoming impatient, grumbling, grumbling against their leaders and obsessing about the past and better days through rose-colored glasses. So God wanted to teach them a lesson. So he sent a pandemic of sorts in the form of fiery serpents. They bit the people and many of them died. They weren't so bold to pray to the Lord, but went looking for a go-between, an intermediary to plead their case, and they found one in Moses. And Moses prayed for them. He prayed for an end of the serpents, an end of the sickness and death. Well, God heard his prayer and told Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and set it up on a cross. And a wonderful promise came along with it, that everyone, when he fixes his eyes upon that serpent on the cross, will live. And that's just what happened. With eyes fixed on that bronze serpent, lifted up from the earth, all who looked up upon it, to them came healing and life and restoration. Moses, he stood as an intermediary between God and the people of Israel. He pleaded their case, and God relented from disaster. But what about you? Who's your intermediary? Because face it, you need one too. You've danced around plenty of idols too. Your money, your finances, your entertainment, the success even of your own children, even your own health. What is most dear to you? What do you fear losing over and above all else? Golden calves galore, and our hearts have danced around them all. Therefore, God has every reason to burn hot with anger and turn his face away from you forever. But today we see an intermediary step in to bridge the gap. And it's not Moses praying, take my life and not theirs. This time it's God's own son, fashion in human flesh, raised up on the cross. And what a beauty of a prayer he prays for us all. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But he knew. He knew exactly what he was doing, absorbing the fire of God's wrath, making atonement for all your sins, even all your idol-worshipping ways, bridging the gap between God and man. As Paul put it so well in our epistle this morning, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Also that God would love you and make his face to shine upon you, and run the whole universe for your good.
And this has got everything to do with prayer. Because when you look to the cross, only then can you see so clearly that God has never bet against you. No matter how it seemed, no matter what fears Satan planted in your hearts. For from before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. And at the very heart of God has always stood the cross. And this is where we get the confidence to pray. To ask God confidently and cheerfully, as dear children would ask their dear father, having his perfect divine and fatherly approval. The words of Jesus this morning, they are the purest gospel. He says, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. The Lutheran reformers, they were really on to something when they put the article of justification by faith in the center of it all. You see, because when we believe in the promise of the gospel, the free gift of forgiveness of sins, I tell you, all the running, all the hiding, all the avoiding God, it all stops. And then and only then can all our days be wrapped in prayer. Because you see, prayer ultimately is the confession that we live in the presence of the Father as baptized Christians. Jesus had told his disciples, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So on this day, spend a little time looking at the crucifix, why don't you? Because up on that cross, God opened his heart for the whole world to see and all those gifts of the cross cascade down to us in the waters of baptism and the brandy wine in the supper, which he declares to be his true body and blood, in which there is healing in life. So ask, and you shall receive his fiery love, his forgiveness, and divine approval, that your joy may be in full. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.